good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is exclusively sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great studio. And to Patrick, my co-host. Welcome, Patrick. Hi, Mark. So nice to see you today. Nice to be seen. <laughs> and today's guest is Pavel Golenchenko. Sounds good. Does that sound good? And uh, from uh, and I, this institute, it's Adiz? Adizes. Adizes. There's an S yeah. in there. The Adizes Institute. New to Carpinteria. Is that it's Institute new to Carpinteria? I think yeah. it's I think it's what in the last how long have you guys been in Carpinteria? Well, for a long period of time. Really? One of the great speakers in management, uh, great authors once told that this is the best kept secret in America. <laughs> okay, so, so we're known everywhere, probably except Santa Barbara County. Well, we're going to go a long way towards fixing that today because Adizas is um, a, a new sponsor of the 805 Connect project. So we thank you very much for that. We, we appreciate that. And uh, we work with Paula on uh, bringing you guys on board. And I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here today. And there's a lot that we're going to get into. So you're the the head, of the VP of business operations for the Institute. Tell, tell us a little bit about what you do if we're the big secret let's tell us more of how you guys work so overall i mean a major part of the company deals with uh we have definitely business clients and uh, our major job is to help them to make a transition from life cycle stage where they are now to to the next one and if you want to segment i mean our major, major segment, and it's actually the way how I came to the company, because I used to be CEO of my own company. I was a partner and CEO of the company. And one day I found myself in a situation where we have so many problems. I don't know how to deal with them. Mm. We have mm. founder trap issues. The company was too dependent on my partner in the past. So I was trying to get out of it, and I got to read uh, Dr. D's book, which called Managing Corporate Lifecycle. I, by the way, I used to manage business school for a long period of time. So as a profession, I had to read a lot of business literature, like sure, two, three sure. weeks, uh, uh, a, month, a month at least. Um, by far, Managing Corporate Lifecycle is still my favorite book in management. It's kind of my management Bible. So I read the book, and I found out that problems my company was facing are actually not, not new. Mm. Most of the companies in the same stage of the development as my company was experiencing the same type of problems. We call those problems normal. Normal <laughs> problems are sure. age-appropriate problems. So it's completely normal to have cash issues when your company just started. It's completely normal to have quite tough authoritarian style of management initially because you cannot afford participative management because you don't have proper people. It becomes abnormal later on when you move to the next stage, so it's not normal, it's abnormal to, to have authoritarian style of leadership when your company is big enough because you, you know, nobody's so smart to manage uh, big companies that way. So I read the book, started applying concepts to myself. Later on, got in touch with Dr. Dizes, got trained, uh, started working with uh, not only my company, but with some other companies in Europe. And I moved here four years ago to, to Santa Barbara Carpinteria. Uh, so, going back to your question, how we work with companies. So, we work with management teams of the companies. Sure. We develop them, so we make sure that their management system practices, culture, allows them to move to the next stage of their development. Is there an ideal size to the company that you work with? I mean, um, corporate life cycle, if you look at the chart is a graph that we have in our book. I mean, there are, you know, companies basically start in uh, courtship when idea is born in founder's head, and then you go to infancy, go, go. You call it, excuse me, you call it courtship? We call it courtship, yeah. Initially, Tell me about that. That's interesting. Before initial start of the company, you play, play with the idea. A company is not really born yet, but idea right. is born. And of course, each entrepreneur or by the way, most of us have a small symmetry of 
dead ideas, never materialized. <laughs> I've not, right. not heard it put that way, a cemetery of, do you have a cemetery of dead ideas, Patrick? Uh, yes, <laughs> piles, they're under the table over here. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 was, that was a really striking visual. And, and we call it a fair, so you, we call it a fair. So if courtship did not move to infancy, if you didn't start the business, so it was just an affair. You played with oh, the idea, oh, oh. nice idea, but you were not ready to take risk. So it was a one-night idea. So it's one-night idea. <laughs> you discuss it, nice, you became billionaire in your head, but then you basically <laughs> quit, right? Okay. You know, uh, I work a lot with business professors. I mean, each of them for sure have, you know, hundreds of them and, you know, of those affairs. Then you go to infancy. Infancy is where a company is actually born. You take the risk. You start operating. And it's a tough stage to be because sure. you basically learn new tricks. You kind of try to establish your production or service, whatever you, you are doing. And your commitment is very, you know, is tested during this stage because that basically becomes your baby. Uh, you know, I even saw some results of research that was done in the U.S. There's the highest level of divorces happening for businessmen is happening during that stage. Because your family takes second place, your business takes first place, you need to spend all energy, and if you don't have support in your families, then, you know, you know either your business or family may collapse. So let, let's stay with that for just a second, because there is a definitely a startup culture happening in the region. There's, there's several incubators, accelerators, there's a brand new one on State Street in Santa Barbara, there's the big one down at Cal Lutheran. University at the Huddle campus, and there's a lot of people now saying, "I, I want to go out and start that company." So they're moving from courtship uh, to Indians. infancy. How? And I, I get this this divorce deal because you're, you know, you're working a hundred plus hours a week. What have you seen work in how people manage their relationship? Are there some some best practices that they could take advantage of now? that will work? I mean, when you enter infancy, we say you need to apply two multiply by two rule. You need to reduce your expectations twice huh. and increase your cost or energy estimates twice. Because from one point of view, if you start a business and you go infancy, you need some sort of, you know, rose glasses. At the same time, you need to be prepared that you will need to spend twice as much time and results will not be so fascinating at the beginning. So you need to be prepared. Of course, you know, it's a child. So if you want a child to be healthy, you need your partner to know about this child because, you know, your spouse probably does not realize that you are entering this entity. So being open from the very beginning, making sure that you have enough, you know, support in your family from the very beginning, it's important. Because sometimes people start... You know, and the spouse did not realize it would be so tough. So that's whole problem start. We do not really specialize here. So when we work with, we don't work too much with infancy infant organizations. We work with them, uh, but uh, major help that we can give to infant organization is more in training field than in actual mm-hmm. transformation. Because actual transformation starts when you really have management problem. And management problem really starts when you have personnel. If you don't really have many people working for you, then you know, there's not much of a management problem. It's more like you know, whether your idea is solid, whether your business uh, proposition is solid, whether you're really giving a value to your customers. There are lots of strategic questions, um, and definitely you, you need to be prepared. So what is that number as I go from, you call it the, the go-go phase, um, so I go from infancy to that. Is it is it two people? Is it three people? Is it five people? Or is it a is there a, a magic number there when you start to see those first problems? Well, let's first describe a go-go. So an infant organization kind of fix a major business. You know, businesses are working, processes are working, customers are happy and they're coming back. You start opening your eyes. And everything starts look interesting. So you want to expand to new markets, new products, new ventures. So that's why we call it go-go. Because, you know, as a small child, when, you know, he oh, or she sure, starts sure. walking, you know, everything looks interesting. So they, they touch everything. And so so, it's, so there is no magic number. I mean, from my experience, 
I mean, the real go-go you should start talking about probably, it really depends on the business. Sometimes we say 20, 30 million dollars a year plus in revenue, but it depends on the business. If you're in oil business, 20, 30 million dollars is nothing. If you're a service company, it's, it's something. So I would say 50 plus people maybe, but it's, it's, it, there is go-go, infancy, adolescence, it's not really a size. So if you look at life cycle, it's, it's kind of a condition where you are. Right okay, now. sure. Let's say some people would say that Apple still, or at least was a go-go company. Hmm. Because what defines, what differentiates go-go from adolescence and prime, in adolescence you are kind of independent from your founder. So your founder is mm. maybe still around and maybe still active, maybe CEO or maybe the most important leader of your company, but theoretically and in practice, companies emancipated can survive without a founder. And some people were saying that, you know, Steve Jobs was so important. So let, let's see what happens in the next couple of years. So you can be largest company in the world being still go-go. Right, and you can be, you know, mid-sized company already in adolescence. So it's 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 it's. I not. see. Okay, okay, that helps explain mm -hmm. it a lot. I'm going to shift gears for a second. I want to talk about you for a second and what you know your experience in this. So you had a business you were running for five years. You read this book. You were having some challenges. But I'm looking at uh, your educational background, and you have a bachelor's degree in civil engineering. Never worked a day. <laughs> All my family in civil engineering. My uh, one part of my my father's part of a family are from civil engineers. My mom part of family are from more like social studies, history, philosophy, all that stuff. So I choose engineering. I graduated with distinction, but uh, <laughs> never worked a day. Uh, so basically, being last year student, I also entered business studies. So went for a joint project uh, with a uh, local university in Colorado, uh, University in Boulder. Then moved, then actually uh, got my completed my studies in Boulder, Colorado, and after that got executive MBA in Europe. So that was so more or less I'm econo uh, economics business. That's what I was doing last what twenty years almost, right? Yeah. I've got a bolder question for you because bolder comes up in conversation a lot whenever you're talking about startups. Mm -hmm. They're a you know, phenomenal startup community. The book's written about them, Brad Feld and all of that. What was it like 20 years ago in that scene? Was there a startup scene there at all? I was 97, 98 when I was in Boulder and I first visited Boulder since a few years ago. So basically 2013 I went back to Boulder. It didn't strike me of like huge changes. 97, 98, it was already some biotech, and so it was already booming in terms of uh, startups. That's so it's probably get even you know more, you know, better right now in that field. But it was already quite a booming small city in that respect. Yeah, they're they're definitely on the map in that regard. Yeah. That's a nice place. I mean, I I was pretty lucky. I mean, I I studied in Boulder, and I moved to Santa Barbara. Although, you know, all my life I spent in much, much bigger cities and my wife still believes that I would feel myself more comfortable in a city with a big traffic jams, New York. <laughs> you know, I'm sometimes impatient with the way, you know, people drive in Santa Barbara, nobody's in a hurry and so on. But also, you know, after four years, ah, I'm right now pissed with guys, the way guys drive in New York. So, you know, I'm getting acclimated here. Do you have to travel a lot with your job? Like 50 plus percent of my time, yeah. So I, right now I serve clients uh, in different parts of the world overall over my career with Adidas, which is uh, six, seven years. I work with companies in uh, 12 countries. Uh. So uh, right now we're trying to, do, to go back to our core and develop more clients in the U.S. So that's actually was my promise to my wife that I'll try to... <laughs> stick to US. Also, US is so big, so, you know, having a client somewhere in US doesn't really help you to stay at home. Maybe we can help with clients in the 805. The 805 is one of the largest area codes in the state. That's, that's, so. that's, that's, that's a dream scenario. You cannot imagine, I mean, how, like when you talk to your colleagues and they say, you know what, I work with my client, delivered a session, and then went to sleep in my own bed. That's, <laughs> oh. that's kind of 
bragging in our company because usually we say you need to be somebody to travel a few thousand miles in order to perceived as a worthy expert. So that's why you know Dr. Jesus is famous all around the world. His books are translated in I don't remember how many languages. But if you look at uh, you know our local backyard, it's difficult to be a guru in your local backyard. So that's but we shall see. Let's see if we can help with that. Now, um, when you go to your, how do people get to your website? It's A-D-I-Z. A-D-I-Z, A-D-I-Z-E-S dot com. Okay, yeah. great. And y- do you have a lot of, is there a lot of content on there now that people can, business owners can listen to? We're getting to? more and more. I mean, this year we started a series of webinars. So okay. more or less like almost every month. Uh, like we did five webinars already this year and we're planning to have three or four more. So we're doing one webinar a month, basically. Uh, we have lots of, uh, video fragments, lectures about our methodologies, some testimonials from clients. We have free online assessment of life cycle stage. So you can go online, take a short quiz, a short test, like 10 minutes and get a roughly good estimate where your company is in life cycle. Of course, it will be inaccurate due to your personal style. Hmm. But no, explain that. If you're entrepreneurial by nature, right? any type of rules in company will seem like bureaucracy to you. <laughs> so if you have few rules, you say, oh, we are going into aristocracy or, you know, we have too organized to reach it. If you are very organized by nature, you say, hey, come on, guys. I mean, the way we're making decisions is total, you know, chaos. And so even if you're pretty well organized, you would say, no, 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 we're Google. So that's why it helps if you take two, three people from your management team and all of them, especially if people oh. are different, take the test. Sure. The best way to get, of course, uh, you know, an estimate is to work with us. But, you know, test is, is a pretty good Get a sense estimate, of it. Good, good sense of it. Uh, we have also management style indicator on our website. And what does that explain? Uh, that? So it's not really, I, I don't think we can cover everything, but um, all, if you look at the life cycle, we say that in order to be a successful company, you need to balance four roles of management. Okay, they are? We call them P-A-E-I. P-A-E-I. Okay. So we usually ask a question, would you agree with me if I tell you that the company is well-managed if it's effective and efficient in short term and effective and efficient in the long term? Okay. No matter what business, you know, not-for-profit, uh, you know, profit organization and so on. And we say that P stands for providing for client needs. Okay. So you provide for client needs and that, that makes your company effective because you basically fulfill the purpose of your company, serve your clients. A stands for administration, admin, administer. So you make your company systemic, so you systemize, you have some processes, so you don't you know, invent the wheel. E stands for long-term effectiveness entrepreneurship. So well, you're entrepreneur, right? you're proactive. Got it. So you change your company before external changes really hit your heart. And I stands for integration. How do you create a climate, a culture, a team, that you know work together so we say is that you can look at your company anytime and ask you can treat those p a e i as four vitamins vitamins so, so we basically look at your company and say what vitamin are you deficient right now mm. prime which is a best condition to be a top it's not prime is a is a stage in the life cycle prime is a stage and condition of life cycle when you are still flexible but at the same time, you're well controllable. So you're growing profitably, strategically, but at the same time, you know, quite organized. So it's, it's, it's our job is to help our clients to get to prime and stay in prime as long as possible. So prime is where actually P-A-E-I are. All high. All high. Let's say if you, you can ask a question like, like in infancy, what is the role? What is the most important role in infancy? clearly P, right? Mm. Provide for client needs because, you know, if you cannot get your clients, you know, nothing else is important and et cetera, et cetera. So we work with those four roles and trying to define where you're deficient and try to help you to close this gap. 
And there is a certain sequence, of course, uh, when you move over life cycle, how this role play together. And they're not easy to play together because each one of them undermines another. If you want to be... Oh, explain that. That's, that's interesting. P, it's providing for client needs. Right. How often you lose your efficiency and your organization and your systems while trying to make clients happy. Mm. You give discounts, you serve them faster, you violate some IT policies, whatever. So you basically undermines A. Uh. At the same time, let's imagine you try to implement new IT system, new processes. It takes energy. It undermines your ability to serve clients. Also, we say, you know, if you're working too hard, if you're working too hard with your current clients, sometimes you don't have time to think about future clients, future markets. So too much P means no E. Hmm. Too much E, like we have lots of founders who are full of ideas. Ideas is not a problem. Right, you know? right, right. And then I say it's not important how many balls you put in the air. It's important how many of them you hit. So if there have too many ideas, your company is running into 25 different directions. And at the end of the day, you find yourself like, you know, some small businesses, small directions, not really, no focus. So each of them, or, or for example, I, what is a major problem of... Uh, we will talk about divorce in infancy stage. I integration. In order to get I in your family, the first thing you need to do, you need to have time. If you don't, hmm. if you don't spend hmm. time together, there is no I. And imagine an infant company working hard 24 hours a day. You don't spend time with your family, you lose I. Or go-go company, you are growing fast, you're developing fast, you don't spend much time with your partners anymore because initially sure. in infancy you spent a lot with them. So your eye naturally goes down. So it's a, it's a, it's a constant um, dance and struggle. And that's where we help companies to do it. So PAEI test, those are four roles of management, but they're also, also four sides of your managerial style. So not only you can code your company in PEI and say, I'm deficient in A or E, you can also define your personal management style, mm. managerial style. Let's say myself, I'm PE. I'm good in working in results. I'm, uh, you know, I, I have my targets. I go, I create ideas, fine. I'm not very organized person. You know, I have two MBA degrees, but my administration <laughs> sucks, <laughs> truly. So, you know, I can do part. I mean, I can, I, you know, but uh, it's not where I naturally strong. My eye, I consider myself a nice person, but my Your wife would like more eye. Yeah, it <laughs> depends on a, on, a, on, a, on a morning. Sometimes she says, ah, your eye, forget about <laughs> it. Right? So some people are different, let's say my eye, Luckily, she's more like AI, so she compliments mm. me. Mm. So when we feel good about each other, we are, we are perfect, complimentary team. Uh, but sometimes I get irritated because, you know, she needs to do something fast and now, and this is not the way she's designed. Mm. So I mm. better step in and do it. But, uh, you know, so there are some struggles, of course. So there is an MSI, we call it Management Style Indicator Assessment on our website as well, so you can learn your style know where you're strong, and especially if you are a smaller company. Because if you're a big company, the chances are you have managers with all different styles in your management team. So you definitely have complementary sure. team. Major problem how they work together, because but they usually don't understand each other. Has, has, do you, I don't need you to name names, but have you, because it seems like any business is, is applicable here, but have you run into what, what would be a cautionary tale for like when you've gone out to help somebody, somebody's invited you in uh, to work with them, and then they've kind of gotten in the way of themselves, or they've not succeeded at, 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 at letting you help? What does that look like, or how do, does that ever happen? Do you, do you run into people who kind of despite themselves or just kind of falling over themselves, not helping themselves? I mean... Our success ratio is good, but definitely we have some difficult cases. And um, as I usually say, I mean, if you have a smaller company, unfortunately or fortunately, a lot depends on few key individuals. 
So if they are not able to change their behavior, it's it's difficult. Mm. So like mm. if you have a, a founder or a partner you who, who's f- not on board. Then you go into founder trap. Mm. Well, I mean, a founder trap is a condition of business when too much depends on him, on mm. him or her. Uh, those founders taking all strategic decisions. They're kind of micromanaging a lot. So company is not developing further. And sooner or later, they kind of age and die prematurely. I mean, it can take years and even decades because it depends on the industry. If industry is not, it's, if it's a fast-changing industry, it takes years. If it's, you know, slow-developing industries can take a lifetime, but they do not reach their highest potential. So, of course, you know, some, some, some key members of, of companies sometimes do not support the ideas. Plus, it never works like they say, okay, guys, you manage. I'll be just myself. Uh, no. For a bigger company, we can deal with that. If it's a bigger company, we can deal with all different type, funny type of styles, <laughs> combinations, and so on. We do not work on personal level. I coach a little bit, but it's not our specialization. So if you if a person has personal issues, we may recommend somebody to deal with. We're not dealing. We're, we we call ourselves organizational therapy. So we work with companies. Our job is to help a company and protect founder or CEO or whoever hired us. Sure. So we don't want, you know, his or her management team to go after him. But we're not helping <laughs> just him or her. We're helping companies. So you're, not, you're, not a, you're not a lifestyle coach. You're, you're we're not lifestyle. And, right. and sometimes some founders put themselves much higher than their company. Mm. Then we, we cannot help. We say, depends what you want. So, so then describe how it works really great. Like what's, what's one story where you've walked in and it's just, it's just they, they were clearly in need of you and then it just moved to something good. Does it happen that easily? I make it sound like it's a really easy thing, but... I mean, overall, it's from one to two years commitment. Wow. Mm. So it's, uh, you know, there is no easy fix. And again, we are not consultants, so we're not always around. So we basically spent a few days a month with the company, working with management team. And there is this program steps. We, we go with them. And they should be committed. You know, if, if you, you cannot change your culture and the way you manage over the night. Of course, it's easier when you, you know, start work. I mean, if it's like, let's say, you know, dynamic go-go you know you start working with them and then they buy five companies and so on it can take even wow. more years you know wow, sometimes sure. we work with companies we agree with them no more acquisitions <laughs> like i was working with one company it's it's i would consider it's a success and much better right now close to the lessons my company grew from having 200 employees to having eight thousand. Oh my gosh in five years while you work with them wow uh, in five years, no, no, we we started work with them when they had six thousand. So they, yes, but they were already big. And when I work with management team, I ask, okay, guys, you know, raise your hands if you are, if you made your career basically inside of this company. Mm. Mm-hmm. Half of the team was guys who were acquired. Ah. You can imagine funny dynamics. You know, you yeah, have sure. five disguised CEOs in the same room trying to work together. They so used they used to run their smaller businesses. Right now they're together. Uh, you know, uh, that was you know session. You know, I don't drink, <laughs> but I had to go heavy in, in meditation after you know each session because you know you, you cannot take it on yourself because the way they try to 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 do it because they cannot tell to each other what they think about them. Mm-hmm. So, so they, they tell you channel to to us mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. me. Uh, it's it's uh, it's what we are paid for sometimes, so fine. Uh, they're much more organized right now. They are much. I mean, they, they, I mean, initially the way they talked to each other was uh, it was atrocious. I mean, that was the inhibitor with, was that they just couldn't even communicate with each other. They couldn't other. communicate. They didn't yeah. really know each other because mm. the the way, we believe that the way to improve it is just you need to start working together, but you need to follow certain rules. So we help them to install these rules. We walk well, them give, through Give us an stages. example of a couple of those rules, those new rules. I mean, those are just uh, rules for management. You know, we have rules. I mean, it, it's some people think it's funny, but it, it's actually working. You know, we pay penalties for being late. Huh. Re- Founders oh, pay penalties. Tell we me. Usually push-ups. 
<laughs> really? <laughs> Sometimes money, but money, you know, it's it doesn't work that well. So they just get out their wallet. So yeah. push-ups, and you do push-ups in front of your management oh team. Oh, my so, gosh. So, you know, it's fun. You know, you can imagine CEO, founder of a company doing 20 push-ups in front of, of his team. Or CFO, I remember one CFO, he made 55. And then I realized he intentionally got late. So he wanted to show off. They do do push-ups. We have, of course, one microphone rule. So if one person speaks, nobody can interrupt. And if you interrupt, you do push-ups again. Oh, we should put that on this. Right. This show we, should have that. We definitely, we definitely call each other by name. No family names. No something like "Hey you." So, so you know, you need to say name. Huh. Uh, we pass uh, the uh, pass the right to speak uh, counterclockwise. So there are certain rules uh, which we use in all our sessions. So they kind of become a part of their uh, routine pretty fast, and they sound easy, but they actually help because sure. those rules come from PEI. If you let people talk, guys, E guys, and P guys will dominate. Right. I mean, I was always considered to be a fast one. So I can, like, you know, if you ask me a question, I can give you, a qu- you know, I, I'm not sure it was a, would be the best answer, but I can react fast. If you ask an A guy, administrative type, he or she will probably you. give you a better answer, but it will get back to you tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So if you don't let right. them speak, they never speak. Hmm. I guys who are very people oriented. I mean, they will not go. I mean, my my credo, you know, it's better to have a healthy fight than easy consensus. For I doesn't work. I like that. Consensus, well, say that again. You know, so you'd rather have a healthy fight than easy consensus. Yeah. So let's let's by by healthy fight, I mean we want to have a conflict. A good debate. Yeah. Conflict is good if you manage it well. If you don't go, you know, with personal attacks. If you try to use facts and so on, best decision comes from those healthy fights and healthy conflicts. Because all the information comes out. All informa- I mean, it, we operate on premises that when we come to the company, they actually know what to do. They have information. So what we need to do, we just need to give them opportunity to speak. We need to organize a process step by step. And, you know, decisions will come. So we do not give them solutions. I mean, we have some professional knowledge, definitely, in the way how to structure a company, how to structure a reward system. So we can help with that, and we do that. But in terms of industry knowledge, no, we, we rely on them. And it's actually one of the cases when our services do not work particularly well. If we sometimes you run into a company, I even call this company a funny name, it's called... Uh, young rider, old horse. Hmm. Young rider, old, old horse. horse. Hmm. You have a young CEO or, or leader of the company, young in his uh, mind, right? So new approach. He believes his his or her company can do a lot, but the horse is old. Probably he inherited the company, hmm. or probably climate in the company was so, so you know or they don't just don't have knowledge or competence to run the business. So you can help them, but if they don't have it inside, it's it's difficult. But this is, luckily, it's um, probably 5-10% of the cases. In 90% of our clients, we come inside, and you would not believe how many creative solutions uh, we can get from the team. And what is more important, which we believe we are really strong in, is not just creative solutions, but implementation. Because in business world, unfortunately, there is a, such a huge gap between decision-making and implementation. There are so well, many why nice is that? solutions. Why is that? We call this system, and that's actually what we try to install in companies, uh, democracy. 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 Explain so that. So we say, in order to manage, you just need to do th- two things. Pretty easy. You need to decide. You have a problem. You need to resolve a problem, so you need to... To make a decision and then you need to implement and what is good for decision making is really bad for implementation <laughs> and vice versa can you give me an example of that what is the best political system for decision making dictatorship for uh, <laughs> so, so sometimes people make fun that, that me having a i mean i'm i'm probably the most anti-communist guy you can Meet, right? But yeah. still, you know, I was born in Soviet Union, to, so yeah. to say. 
So sometimes I teach Americans that democracy <laughs> is the best way for decision making, not implementation. So because uh, you know in democracy you can talk, you can share sure. opinions, you 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 have the right to voice, you know. So you know freedom of speech. So you make a decision. But if you continue democracy and implementation, then then we have what we currently have in the U.S. Sometimes, right? So we discuss, discuss, discuss. Nice decision, nice ideas. Uh, nothing get implemented. Yeah. Because for implementation, you don't need democracy. You need to stop it and start dictatorship. Because dictatorship mm. is very effective for implementation. Dictatorship could be effective for decision-making when your business is easy. Mm. Have an easy business model, your business is small. Like I always make fun of some Russian companies like Gazprom. I mean, it's, it's easy. You do this, price of gas go a little bit up, a little bit higher. So it's, it's not sophisticated. It's not, you know, high-tech. But if your business is not easy, you need, you need different opinion, you need different skills. So a trick is how do you make democratic decisions and then dictatorial implementation of these decisions? And we call it democratship. So that's hmm. the type of system we would like to implement, so to, to work. And most of the cases, one person cannot do it. So you need someone with a strong A and I to be your implementer? A for sure. I, uh, so P and A are more authoritarian. E sure. and I are more open-minded. So you need, to, you need to have a right mix of people. Plus you need to go through certain steps so to do it. So that's why, you know, when we work, we say, uh, when we work with a company and the first step we do with all companies, we run a session called Syndac. We get 15, 20, 25 people together, and we basically collect all problems this company have, has. And sometimes we end up with 200, 300 problems. Hmm. There are special rules, of course. We do not allow them to mention names. They should only talk about problems that are controllable by people in the room, et cetera, et cetera. But we come up with, 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 with many problems. And then, in most of the cases, I ask them a question, what what is the percentage of your problems were with you a year ago? Mm. Sometimes we oh. say <laughs> 90. Two years ago, uh, more or less the same. <laughs> what are the chances that in one year from now you will have the same problems? You know, high Pretty percentage. Good. So major problem of these companies is just inability to work together to solve these problems. And what we try to teach them to do is that instead of 10 managers chasing 100 problems, we say, why don't you, 10 of you, chase one first, kill it, you know, resolve it, mm. then chase another one. So you, you be focused, work together. By working together, you automatically increase your eye integration in your team. Okay, you sure. solve problems, and chances are that if 10 of you agree on the solution to a particular problem, it's, chances are it will get implemented easier. If I try to solve 10 problems myself, and then I run into my colleagues, and the implementation then you know, goes to nowhere. Because so you're not both trying to solve, they're trying to solve their problems, you're trying to solve yours, and they get in the way of each other. Yeah, and because I, I didn't take into account their interest or interest right. of their department, so, you, so it's, it's a classical, when I lecture in Europe, I say there is, uh, you probably don't know that, but there are two classic management approaches. One is called American, Another one is called uh, more like Scandinavian, but it's probably like more Swedish, hmm. huh. right? Classic American approach, and uh, I can show you an example with decision-making implementation. Classic American, how fast Americans make decisions in a stereotype world. Usually pretty fast. Sure. At least if you watch movies, you know, it's fast. You know, you make decision, you move. At the same time, if you look at especially American corporations, how long does it take them to implement the decisions? Sometimes for ages. If you work, and I worked a lot, I had a lot of uh, partners in Sweden, a lot of joint uh, projects. Swedish guys, I wouldn't call Scandinavians because they're also different, <laughs> but Swedish guys, they take, they take so much time making a decision that in the middle of it you think, they forgot about you, so you need to move to another <laughs> venture. You basically say, oh, I mean, if, you, if it takes you so much time to make a decision, so probably they're already on something else. But then when they come back to you, they're ready to implement. 
Mm. And there was no way I can catch up with them when the implementation, because the way they do it, they involve all different parties in decision making. So when it comes to implementation, there is nothing to discuss. That was Everybody part of the decision, was how are we going to implement yeah, this? Yeah. Mm. yeah, Because decision is very different for different people. For mm. some people, decision is like, oh, I have an idea, we need to go there, it's decision. Mm. For some people, decision is like when to go, with whom to go, how to go, what to take with you, so there are lots of aspects. So they are very good in that. You know, that's why you know, we were very strong, popular in Scandinavian countries. U.S. are more like fast decisions, uh, to hell with details, and later on you 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 actually encounter these details and you cannot implement it. Well, that's our that's our education system is very good at saying the first person with their hand in the air. Oh yeah, I mean, must have the answer to the question. For sure. And and but that doesn't always. It's like uh, the Wright brothers were the first ones to to get a manned powered flight, and everybody else abandoned all their designs, even though there were hundreds and hundreds of people attempting the same thing. Well, maybe those designs would have worked just fine. And it turns out there's lots of designs that would also make airplanes, but we just went with the Wright Brothers because it was the first one, the first successful one. Plus, look at, at business schools. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of case studies. I, I like it. But at the same time, most of business school case studies teach you how to make decisions. They don't teach you how to implement decisions. And there is a hmm. big, big, big difference. Dr. Dieters talked to a few, three presidents, I guess, of the United States, and he asked them, a question, what was the toughest part of your job as a president of the United States? And he told me that their response was implementing good decisions. Mm. So mm. They, when mm. they were elected to White House, most likely they had some policies, some strategies, some decisions. But, you know, implement, implementing of those decisions is a tough. That's why, you know, we, we do have some projects on governmental levels. But this is, let's say, I'm trying to stay away of those projects because if it's difficult to get proper people to sit together and make decisions in business, you can imagine how difficult it is to do it on the you know, country level. Yeah, I, I watch the news and you get constantly frustrated by that. Uh, very, that's very interesting. Tell me, um, so this, there's the Swedish approach, there's the American approach. Is there developing, a, emerging a hybrid that's taking the best of both, do you think? I guess that's, that's what we try to do. That's what you're right? doing. That's, that's what we're trying to do. And it also, of course, depends on the situation. If you're in crisis mode, American approach may work better because speed of the decision is more important than the quality of decision. If you're not in crisis mode, you do have time, then you can take your time, make a better decision, involve different parties so you can implement it more effectively. So when we work with companies, we actually, after we leave the company, we call it graduate, and we have even a saying that we are proud of any client we lose. Hopefully we lose like this client. That. There after. you go. There you go. We don't want clients for life. We want partners for life, but not clients for life. So it's not like we want to get a client and work with this client for ages. We can all only work for, with clients for more than one or two years if it's a very fast-growing client that is opening offices in different parts. And so then we work with different parts of the organization. So in one or two years, we want them to be independent from us as well because we don't want to them to develop kind of dependency on Adidas associates. So yes, I mean, we are kind of going with this hybrid democracy approach. And um, most of, uh, I mean, I, I experienced the same problem. When I was CEO of a company, I always felt like I'm the only guy. My My goal actually was how do I make my employees, my managers, my partners, not to sleep at night, <laughs> together with me. <laughs> because, you know, if you're a CEO and you're responsible for a business, you, I mean, you worry about your business. So you have lots of sleepless nights. And sometimes you just feel, ah, am I the only one? Mm. Because you feel, like, oh, your, your colleagues just go home, enjoy their life, and, uh, you know, it's, you kind of feel envious. And it's not like I want to ruin their lives, but I want them to feel that they're part of the same company. And they, I, I mean, more or less, success of a company depends on commitment of people that work in the company. If it's just commitment of few partners, it's good enough initially. But when you move to larger scale and you are go-go, the lesson company, you want to have more and more people like that. And you do it through different tricks, creating a better culture, reward system structures. There are lots of ways to do it. 
but eventually you need to understand that you know you can only grow your business that much as as you know amount, a number of people who really take it seriously and ready to sacrifice mm. part of their energy for that business what would you say because the the people who listen to this show are their business leaders, managers, they've got small, medium, large businesses here in the region and and now that we're we're podcasting, they're outside of the region and they're listening. What's the biggest surprise they have when when you come in as the organizational therapist and you do that assessment? When they say, God, I didn't know that. they You see something they couldn't see. What's the biggest surprise? I would say it's it's a bit different. Our best compliment to us that our approach and the way we work is so logical based on common sense. I mean, as I said to you before i have two mbas i managed mba program so you know if i want to complicate things i can do it <laughs> but those difficult business models they don't really work in businesses i mean it's like like you know you need to be able to speak the language of majority of, of uh, they just don't work so what they like is that approach is so easy and mm. they can see problems so mm. clearly so basically sometimes they say oh you know you didn't tell us you know, anything new, we knew most of it. You just organized it in a way we never thought about it. So it's like a puzzle. All pieces were there, but when we came with some of our models, some of our tricks, they, they see it clearly. Can you imagine that in, like, this is probably our best uh, session. You know, I probably did 100 already of them. Syndic, I mentioned it before, that you get 20, 25 managers of your company and by the end of two and a half days, usually session, you can get all of them agree on 100, 200 problems that company faces, on life cycle position of the company, and on action plan, how to do it, how to, how to go about solving those problems. Sometimes when I talk to CEO and say, okay, by the end of day two or three, we will get it, you know, action plan and everybody in your team will actually support it and they would agree about diagnosis of your company and you probably say you're dreaming they cannot agree about you know what type of coffee machine to buy you know you will not be able to and they do agree because the way we manage and You've got a process and, and so we, we have a process uh, but at the end some of my colleagues get disappointed say, oh we did such a great job and at the end what they told us that oh guys you didn't really teach us anything new, we knew ourselves, and I appreciate our team, so uh, that's a good compliment for us. So if they feel that they did everything themselves, fine, we just slowly go, mm. find mm. companies mm. in the right track, and it's, it's, it's fine. So I wouldn't say there is one peculiar, of course, we have some specific you know, ways how we structure organizations, how we you know, design reward systems, there is some knowledge behind it, but overall, we are building very intuitive, common sense system of management that people can easily grasp and just, if they are committed, they just go. And it doesn't, I mean, it's like a fitness a little bit. I mean, you need to be uh, like, when our program it fails, if, you know, it, our program is not, a, it's not a liposuction. <laughs> we cannot come, sure. suck the fats and, you know, make company successful. So it's more like more healthy living, right? At the same time, we, we, we know our limits. We don't require, you know, 10 days a month or something like that. So, but, you know, if, if company is ready to follow certain procedures and policies, you know, improvements will come and they will come in a few months and they will be coming every month after that. I like how you described it earlier that um, the vitamins the PAEI vitamins. So it's, you know, you, you, I, I, what I saw in my head was this kind of the blood test of the organization yes. and you do a blood test and then you analyze the living cells and then to figure out how much P they need, how much A they need. And then it's almost like you could make a fitness bar for them that gave them those great, you know, uh, it's a prescription, right? Cause you, you said your organizational therapists, so you, there's a diagnosis, there's a prescription. So that's, you've decided 
this is you need more P, you need more A, you're completely missing I. This is what you need to do. So then it becomes an implementation challenge for you. I can't make you eat the vitamins. I can't make you do well. You can make them do the push-ups, but <laughs> no. you you can't make them do those things. So that's where the willingness comes in. Well, Pavel, I, this was an incredible conversation. I I'm I'm thrilled to learn so much about it, and I think you bring so much experience to this conversation because of that that whole European outlook, which is. As, again, as you said, different than the American way. Is there anything else you want to tell us about the, the Institute that, uh, you know, here in the region they could maybe take advantage of? I mean, as I said before, we work around the world, I mean, different parts. Uh, uh, but, you know, guys, we're here we're in Santa Barbara. We run workshops every, you know, two, three months. And our classic workshop is called Breakthrough to Prime. So basically mm. we kind of teach and work with C-level executive CEOs of the company, founders, or major major shakers and movers of the company, uh, trying to show them how they should advance their company to the next level. This is kind of a light part, because sometimes we work with companies do it, but at the same time, and please, you know, managing corporate life cycle, I mean, it's 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 get the book. Uh, get the book. It's 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 not so widely known because it's a little bit thick. But I remember I read that book, like it's like probably 400 pages. Mm. You know, three, four days. I ruined my wife's vacation. But it was <laughs> because when I read the book, it was all about me, my company, and all about us. I mean, I was like, wow. He I like mean, wrote this book you know, just for you. Who who spied on me? Because it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, my partner problems described there, our issues. So it's 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 the best book. And it actually helps when you read about companies, about their problems, and you realize, wow, they have similar problems than I do. Sure. So you know what? You just keep moving, keep going, and uh, you know, if you do it right, uh, life will be easier one day. I love that. Uh, we have a saying, what, what if it were simple? Yeah. Right. right. What right. if it were simple? Well, thank you so much, uh, Pavel Golenchenko, who's the Vice President of Business Operations at Adizas. Um, we want to help them be better known here in the region. So go take a look at adizas.com. So I want to thank thank you, Patrick. Thanks again to you and to California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and & Weicker Insurance Services. And for being such a great partner, I just uh, congratulations on getting us up on iTunes, bud. Yeah, it's uh, it's made it. Please go and uh, type up a review for us or some other kind of comment. We love to hear uh, information and feedback and criticism in every form. Exactly. So once you've finished listening to this cast, just go in and uh, hit us up on iTunes. We appreciate that. The 805 Connect Project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. We want to thank them as well. And uh, we'd appreciate you supporting them. Get more information on our partners at 805connect.com slash partners. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. 